You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the show. Hour number two. We're live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. My name is Matt Rose. He is Peter Klein, GVP, and Shan are in the other room. Frank Saravalli is going to join us in about 15 minutes' time. Uh, just a couple of quick things that I wanted to um, throw out here for you, PK. Number one, yesterday, the Flames played the Ducks. They get the win, 3 nothing. Everything is lovely. Woo! Everyone, roses and point streak and... First career goals. First career goals. Nothing but good times to be had for the Calgary Flames right now. And then amidst all of this... Andrew Mangiapane's stat line is a little bit troubling for me. And yeah. his play lately is not necessarily the, the points that I have found troublesome. It has been the penalties and the lack of kind of being able to chip in as far as being a pest or someone who wins battles or wins races or does all the things that made Andrew Mangiapane a very effective player that scored 30-plus goals in this league. Yeah. He's got two more years left. He's signed a 5.8. He's got a modified no-trade that allows him to submit an eight-team no-trade list. At the end of the contract, he's obviously going to be a UFA as someone who's 27 years old, but he's got six goals and 16 points on the season that would put him on pace for, you know, about 17, 16 goals, which would match his total from last season and put him right at the same mark he was the two years before he had 35. I just wonder what happens next for Andrew Mangiapane here because he is, I don't think, the player that scored 35. That was obviously a... a, Outlier? Outlier. Not something that we're going to see from him. Constantly at 55 points that year. But the question now becomes, what is he? Yeah. Because I don't think he's a player that's playing at a $5.8 million clip right now. No, that's very accurate to say. Yeah. Now, given that the team has certain you know, aspirations, yes, this year, they, they want to win as many games as they can and, and try and get in the playoffs. We've heard Ryan Husky talk about a wild card spot lately. But... You kind of need more from him. Yes. Yeah. Moving forward, because he was always seen as someone who, like, I, I think the Flames, to my understanding, tried to sign this player long term the last time he was up for his contract mm-hmm. and decided his camp wanted to go something a little bit more short term instead. Now he's looking at a player who's going to get a significant decrease in pay when he's up for his next deal, unless something drastically changes in the next season and 50 games. Yeah, and it's it's really frustrating because you just kind of penciled it in after the 35-goal season. It's like, okay, maybe 35 isn't going to happen again, but 25, you know, somewhere around there. 20 every year, Phil? Yeah, still very realistic and and kind of like the floor. And now the the floor has fallen off a little bit. And, And you're right, it's not just... The, the lack of production, it's the other stuff that is happening. And I, I think there is a lot of frustration there, but I do think you're right. Like there, there's a bit of a, a lack of identity. Like he is someone who should be very good in the, the puck retrieval aspect of things. And he's on this top line where that's kind of what he is supposed to be doing to allow Sharon Govich and Lindholm to, to get theirs. And then you're there to, to clean things up. But I, I don't know if it's an identity crisis or what it is, but he has like just simply not been good enough. And 
for, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of, I'm all choked up thinking about it, but yeah. for, for a couple of reasons, it, it has kind of flown under the radar. The Huberto struggles and also the rest of the team is playing pretty well. Like that line is going. Um, and so it, it's, it's a difficult situation right now because you have the, the cadre line, which you're not going to mess with at all. Um, and you have Sharon Govich and Lindholm kind of going on this line, more Sharon Govich than Lindholm, I would say. Um, so you have that line going. So do you want to mess with it? But at the same time, like this is not good enough for a team that already kind of lacks goal scoring. He was supposed to be like, like I said before, he was the one where you trade to Foley away. You already had less goals last season than you wanted. He was the one. Well, oh, well, there's no way he's only going to have 17 again this year. And now he is going to have to scratch and claw to get to 17 this year. So I, I wish Huberto and Lindholm worked right? because that would be such an easy fix, right? You put Manjapani with Backlund and Coleman, where, where he has always excelled. It has worked perfectly, right? Like it has always been great. You put Huberto with Lindholm, who he said he would get a thousand goals, um, and Sharon Govich, the, the, this new fun toy that they have, and everything would be perfect. I don't know if you can trust that, and I don't know if you want to mess with things when you've won three in a row for the first time all year. But I, I do think that this the, the spotlight is going to be brighter and brighter on this kid, and it's it's going to need to get figured out because I think a lot of people when looking at kind of the future of the Flames, still view him as a relatively important part, and he hasn't really played like that in a couple of years now. Yeah, and and like I said, he's going to be a UFA at the at the, at the end of uh, the 2024-2025 season. I've always kind of thought about him and Dylan Dubé kind of being in lockstep together. Manjapani's a, a couple of years been. older, but they've, they've yeah, their, their careers have, have really run quite parallel, but... Dylan Dubé didn't have the 35-goal season, so when he's down playing on the fourth line at 2.3 and, and just kind of chugging away and doing his thing and helping out as the third PK pair guy, yeah, you, you don't really notice him as much. Yeah. But when you're getting 5.8 and being asked to produce, and like you mentioned, I, I think that the cadre line has been great lately, and you've got a couple of pairs that are rolling yeah. well in your top nine with Lindholm and Sharon Govich and then Macklin with Coleman, but there's just other guys that... They just they just don't fit into the puzzle in the same way that you would have thought, would have hoped, would have expected. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just one of those things where just continue to watch and hey, they win yesterday. He had a very quiet night again. I don't know if he's banged up again because that was one thing that he had talked about, you know, kind of coming out of last year was he had a shoulder injury that happened very early in the season and derailed him, but yeah, sounded like he was healthy coming into the year. So if it's that factor, if it's that, then sit right. Cause at this point it's not helping, you know, like, and I, and I understand the the warrior mentality of, of hockey players where it's a punctured lung. Well, I have another one. Let's go. You know, like I, I understand that that's always a thing, but at some point it's not helping. It's doing quite the opposite. And this is now a team, not that it's the, the the cupboards are fully stocked, but you could call up Matt Coronado tomorrow and kind of keep it rolling. So extremely hypothetically, if that was the case, if it was banged up, you have a great guy that you've had trouble getting back into the NHL. Right. And you would slot him back into the exact role you would want him to go into. Mm -hmm. So, if if hypothetically, and I like I I don't know, but hypothetically, if it is an injury thing, then just sit, mm-hmm. like get it get it figured out this time because th- it is. I think they'd have to do helping. some stuff with the cap to make it work, but alas, you can make that work. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, wanted to get to this really quickly as well. This was actually from eight days ago, but it started making its round on social media a little bit yesterday. So I figured we we'd play it and just give a quick thought, but um. This is something that I think 
I don't I don't know if it's I don't know mainstream everyone knew it, but Jack Eichel, um, when he was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights, there was a couple of other teams that were involved in the entire thing. Yeah, one of them was the Carolina Hurricanes, the Colorado Avalanche were involved, um, but the Calgary Flames were also involved. We knew this essentially throughout a lot of the process. Yep. The, the Flames were rumored to be in it. Kevin Weeks, in fact, traded out, had tweeted out around the time what the Flames' trade package was. It included Kachuk and first-round picks and, and all sorts of other things. Um, but Jack Eichel was on a podcast, I believe it was almost 10 days ago now, uh, but actually confirmed um, the latter part. I think as the summer went on, you'd always hear different teams call, You yeah. know, whether it was the Minnesotas or the Carolina or... You know, there was a there was a period in the early fall where it was Colorado, and so. But I think as you're going through it and looking back on it, until, until it becomes like realistic, you don't really want to believe anything. Yeah. And, you know, with trades, it's I, there's so many possibilities of things that could happen, and, um, you know, I had switched agents in the middle of it too. So, uh, when I this episode when I of the- my new agent, you know, there were some new teams that became part of the mix and uh but when it came down to it uh, towards the end it was between calgary and vegas oh good oh, right there uh i had a couple of people send that to me yesterday including uh my lovely brother who mentioned uh what a lovely christmas gift from jack eichel so just <laughs> drop this on our laps right as we're going into the holidays um that is from uh the episode 6 a.m campfires with jack eichel's the empty netters podcast you can find it on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts if you want to go listen to it um, he does talk a little bit more about the time and, and how he was evaluating what different teams had and, and how different things were, you know, in play there. I think we all kind of knew that the Flames were in it to hear yeah. that they were one of the final two teams and he ended up going to Vegas. That sucks, especially as over the last little bit here, we've constantly talked about how the Flames have not had a game breaker. Right. And he was the game breaker for the Stanley Cup champions. Yep. Which would be nice. I don't really have a whole lot more to add to this, except yeah. for the fact that, yeah, that, that's out there. Acknowledged. It definitely sucks. <laughs> but like we knew, the Flames were always in all of these things when Brad Trilliven was yeah. around. Yeah, Brad Trilliven was in on everything. They have been trying to get players like this for a very long time. Right. And like we, we did know this at the time. Um, I, I don't know if we, we exactly knew that they were in second, but I, I think we knew that they were kind of in the final push for it anyway. Mm-hmm. But even if they did finish second, I think it was a distant second. Um, just going back and reading some of the reports uh, from that time, uh, the Flames didn't have anyone that Buffalo liked as much as Krebs, and they didn't have anyone who liked Buffalo as much as Tuck. So it, it was always going to be uh, a difficult fit. And like the, the Matthew Kachuk one would, would have been whatever. Um, now, as it played out, the Flames didn't have a great track record of keeping Americans around after, mm-hmm. but um, no, it, like it, it would have been cool. But I, I don't think that this is something that too many Flames fans need to worry too much about. Because yeah, it, like it's it's like it's nice just to be nominated, but <laughs> it it did feel like it was a pretty distant second place. Yeah, and it's nice to be nominated, but you don't like when you're constantly getting nominated and you don't win. Right, At, there's a certain point it gets old. Yes, and and that I feel like is more kind of the case with how things have gone in certain instances here. Yeah, there does kind of get to a point where you feel like you've just been used to jack the price up a little bit. Mm. Gosh, it's happening a lot this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> just getting used all over the place. Just keep going back for more hurt. Yep. Oh, boy. Um, uh, GVP, you got more nonsense for us before uh, yeah. we get to Frank? Yeah, this is from uh, the week of September 1st. 
Okay, what was September 1st? That would have been, what, we're right on the edge of NHL preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball is winding down, so the Jays are... Probably annoying. Uh, quite annoying at that point, I would assume. <laughs> uh, okay, let's, let's have a listen. Let's see what it was. This is the best of the worst of the big show with Russick and Rose. What was the hot tub dynamic like? Like, obviously, uh, bathing suits? Yes. Duh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what question is that? Three Just dudes checking. in the tub, dongs out. I'm not like you, like, oh, how could I get past an 80? Oh, oh, woe is me. Whoa. That's my George impression. You could f***. You could f*** you want on your team. Hit it, Texty. Flames, Wayne in Edmonton. Okay. Andrew, Pony at the dish. Swing and a drive. And Get up, ball. DC Cab, when these guys hit the streets, guess what yep. hits the fan? That's the slogan. Race relations. Awesome. Denzel Washington yep. is the, the equalizer. equalizer. Great job, gentlemen. Dennis, why are more hockey players doing this? Because they're not Austin Matthews. That's a great question, man. What is this little fire hydrant out here? Be chief of the bomb squad. No. Shin. My bad, guys. Shan. Not, not a lot of turning, Mike, unless we ask him to. Shan. Sorry, guys. Shan. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> I'm a 30-minute pooper. That's a long time. You're calling the bell out of the bullpen? You watch out. That's a stay-at-home meal. We're seeing gaggles of women. Yeah, I, I introduced myself to Azam three times before I realized his name and who he was. You did that with me, too, George. <laughs> Sorry, Shan. Lots of stuff to do. Bro, just write it. Write it down on the whiteboard, bro. Bro, it's on the whiteboard. Maddie, always going to talk to you. And big guy, George Rustic. How are you, bro, man? <laughs> well, I'm not short. Well, settle down, the... bud. Settle down, bud. I've taken harder hits from a bong. Hey, name bar, bud. <laughs> name bar, bud. Don't you have to get on your tippy toes to scan your card to get in the room? Isn't oh, my that... goodness. Isn't that... Is that not true? Okay. Play Impossible <laughs> Flames trivia. Hit a GVP. Let's do it, big guy. The end of the show. I'm George Rustic. Sports at 960 The Fed. Bye. We got some guys that think they're playing well, and I think they're kidding themselves at this point. It's it's frustrating to play with, uh, you know, play out there when you, when you got guys that think they're playing well and, and they're doing things that you know you have no idea what play they're going to make or, or where they're going to be on the ice. And uh, it's it's tough to play in this league when when you don't know where your teammates are going to be. Yeah, that's uh, a little Chuck Berry and a little Devon Taves of the Colorado Avalanche. Earlier this week, the Avalanche lose to the Blackhawks by a three to two score, and uh, perhaps some of the more damning comments we've heard in a post game presser this year from Devon Taves saying his teammates they don't really know what they're doing out there. Since then, Nate McKinnon had a five point night, and they beat the Senators six to four. But nevertheless, what's going on with the Colorado Avalanche? That's where we start our chat with our next guest, Frank Suravali, joins us. For South Trail Exports, with inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Happy holidays, Frank. How's it going, man? Thanks, Maddie. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, brother. Uh, what did you make of Devon Taves ripping it's, his where's team? Where's George? George, George, uh, George gets George time. On holiday yeah, what? he gets like a, a month off every other month, so he's in uh, currently <laughs> he's he's off right now. So he's got a pretty sweet sked. Nice. Yeah, I think he's back like January twelfth or something like that. So yeah, not bad. Oh, he's he's on like the the college plan. You, yeah, uh, you get a month off. Yeah, good. It's good work if you can get it. I have heard, but 
Um, I've only heard. So we continue to plug away a couple of days away from the holidays. I'll be off next week, and then we'll be right back in January. But we got a couple other things on the go. But, yep, that's the plan right now. How about yourself? Are you going to take a little bit of time off? We'll get to the avalanche in a second. It's fine. I just wanted to play the clip coming out of the break. Yeah, I gotta... But how are you? What do you what's, what's the plan for the holiday here? How are you getting set? Gonna take a couple days next week and kind of lay low. I'm always available, but um, it it's pretty quiet here. No real, you know, significant plans. Kids are excited. It's kind of mayhem here with how excited they are, but mm. that's a good thing. And yeah, looking forward to it. Do you like the holiday freeze? Like being an insider, are you like okay? I can kind of put oh. the phone down for more than a second here. It's it's kind of. It's pretty awesome. Like, look, I'm always, uh, I'm always um, searching for something, whether it's you know an injury or um, obviously the Sens earlier this week made a coaching change just before the freeze. Um, whatever it might be, there's always something to talk about or to ask someone about. But when you know that you can put your phone down for five minutes and there's not going to be a trade, uh, that part makes life a lot easier. I have to ask, has there ever been a situation, and you don't have to reveal all the details, but maybe like a, a New Year's Eve or perhaps you're at a birthday where you're like, I don't really know if I should be going down this road right now, but this is my job, so I have to do it right now. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you kind of hover over the send button for a while, but then you understand, hey, this is part of the business? Not, not really that anything I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, there's always stuff that pops up at an inopportune moment. You're at dinner or, or you know, I was out for my brother's birthday last month. It was actually the exact moment that they traded uh, Nikita Zadaroff. Mm. And so I, you know, I had to leave, I had to leave dinner and go back home and, you know, get on camera. So that's, it's kind of just the nature of the beast and how it works. And luckily, you know, when you've done it for a while, your family understands and that's just part of the deal. But really for me, like I don't mind digging in in situations like that. Um, my deal is I get a lot of the summer off, a big chunk of it. So mm -hmm. I can kind of, you know, I don't mind working seven days a week until then knowing that when my kids are off from school, I can I can hang out with them and relax. Well, uh, hopefully you get some time to relax and enjoy some family time here as well over the next few days. But my question persists from the start of the segment. Are you, the Avalanche worried about what is going on right now? They do get the big win last night, but how do you think this team is feeling? And do you think that we could see maybe a move coming for the Avalanche sooner rather than later? I do think we could see a move coming up for the Avs, but... I don't think it has anything to do with any sort of, you know, animosity or uh, I guess you could say friction based on the comments from Devon Taves and, and then previously from Miko Rantanen about Arturi Lekin. And I know all those things really made headlines, but to me, I, I listened to that clip and I love it. I think it's incredibly healthy. I think that's exactly the type of conversation that the best teams have. And and I think the results speak for themselves. They're tied for the division lead. Um, and that's after a kind of skid where they won four out of 10. So it tells you how good they've been this season. It tells you how high of a bar that team has in their own dressing room. And, and I'll tell you this, um, if this made it out into the media and into the public, 
there's no way that the first time it was addressed was through reporters with microphones. Undoubtedly, someone in that room, whether it was Devon Taves or Nathan McKinnon or whoever it might be, has said those exact words and said them to the team to their faces three, five, eight times before it gets said publicly. So I like that that's where their compass is, that they're pointing um, north in the standings, but also um, that they have a really high bar for themselves after winning the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. You mentioned that they might be making moves, maybe not connected to this, but still be looking to, to make some moves. What type of a, a player would they be looking to, to bring in once the, the freeze is uh, done with? Yeah, I think the center position is something that's been lingering for a while for them. Um, I, I know the connection has been made, you know, hey, does look at that. The Avs have exactly enough cap space required to take on Elias Lindholm's full cap hit. Um, I do think they're certainly interested in Lindholm. Uh, I think they're one of the teams that has reached out and and made contact with the Flames about Lindholm. But the intel that I could gather to this point is that um, they're really not any more serious than any other team that's been interested in Lindholm to this point. So when I look at the Avs, I say um, I, I thought Ross Colton was a worthy you know attempt um, this year. Ryan Johansson as well, but it still kind of sticks out to me that this team could use a perfect two C to slot in on a championship contending team. And then I think they're going to be in a lot better position to, uh, to go chase it. You mentioned uh, like obviously a few teams in on a number of the pieces that the flames may or may not have available. Um, when the, the roster freeze is done with again, it, do you think things will, will pick up in that way? Or are these rumors that are going to be lingering right up until the trade deadline? I don't, well, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't say for sure one way or the other. My read on the situation is that the Flames are ready to go. Um, I think they're ready to make moves. I think they're, I don't know that they're hungry to do it, but if, if someone's calling and making the right offer, I don't think they're afraid to pull the trigger. And that part, I think, has sort of become clear over the last few weeks that, um, you know, Craig Conroy's phone is on. If you're, if you're interested in those players, ring them up. Um, that's sort of the message that other teams have gotten from the Flames. And I think that's what the Flames are thinking internally is when we get to a spot where we've got decisions to make, in a lot of ways, the team and how they've played this year have made a lot of those decisions easier. Yeah, they've got a, a three-game winning streak right now uh, with one more to go before they uh, you know, come back to Calgary before Christmas. But when you look at how the season has unfolded, they lost six of their previous seven before that. And my answer is, and I think the Flames internally are thinking along the same lines, is this team isn't winning with these guys in the lineup. What's the case to try and keep them and sign them for longer-term deals that can only make life harder? All the focus is on the, the pending UFAs, obviously, but do you think that this team could move out someone who has maybe a bit more term on their contract as well? Tell me who you're thinking. Um, one of the ones that, that, I mean, if they wanted to go like the nuclear route, uh, everyone needs a goalie, and Jacob Markstrom seems to be pretty good. Um, Blake Coleman is having one of his best runs here with the Flames. There's three years after this, so that might be quite a bit. Uh, and we had a conversation today about is Andrew Mangiapane a part of the future as well. So just off the top of my head, those would be some names that kind of came to mind. 
Yeah, I think the Flames would be open to a lot of different things. Um, again, I think it depends on relative value. Like, what is – if you're looking for term and if you're looking for one of those players, like, I kind of have a hard time believing someone's going to be ringing them on Coleman. Same thing with some of the guys that have some longer-term deals. Um, Markstrom at this point, as well as he's played this year, um, I think for the most part, some teams probably have some reservations about, you know, a 33, 34-year-old guy that um, is making $6 million a year when the trend on goaltending is going the exact opposite direction in terms of spending. I think goalies are going to be continue to be squeezed left and right, except for the very elite ones in the league. And for a stretch of time, Markstrom was that, but then last year sticks out like a sore thumb. And I think if the Flames are going to move a goalie, it's much more likely to be uh, Dan Vladar than it is Markstrom at this point in time. Um, when it comes to some of the other guys in the roster, Manjapani, like I could see that making sense for someone, but I could also see, you know, if you're going to reboot things, you probably also need someone um, that could put the puck in the net. And I know that's been a bit of a grind, a bit of a struggle. He was one of the Flames' best players through the first couple weeks of the season, but he's really come back to earth. Um, I just, you know, for his production relative to his cap hit right now, I have a hard time believing someone's going to want to try and take that off the Flames' hands. We'll continue to wait, see what happens out of the holiday freeze, and the trade deadline will be on us quicker than you can blink. Uh, I did want to ask you about the Ottawa Senators and, and what's going to happen next with the coach. You wrote a piece as far as five candidates that could be next in line to be the next head coach. They still haven't won after giving Jacques Martin the interim head coaching tag. Uh, what do you see happening here with the Senators behind the bench? It's... Um... It's an interesting situation because I think on the one hand, you have to allow for Jacques Martin to come in and, and get some runway with this team to try and correct some of the issues and mistakes that they have and continue to make. Um, he's an attention to detail guy. He's a stickler for structure. Um, he's someone that I think is going to try and get that team turned around and heading in the right direction. If they start to win, though, is he a longer-term fit? Is he a longer-term possibility? I don't think that's the case, which is why I had outlined those five candidates in that piece. And look, he's already right now one of the older coaches in NHL history at 71. It's it's not ageism, um, but there's a reason why it's a young man's game in terms of coaching. These guys put in 12 hours a day every day at the rink. Um, and for someone that hasn't been on an NHL uh, head coaching job for 12 years now and hasn't been on an NHL bench at all for four or five this is a big change. So I think the Sens ownership, Michael Anlauer and, and their new president of hockey ops, Steve Steos, who's now also the interim GM, they've got a lot to figure out. My thought process would be the first thing is you've got to push to get a permanent GM in place. Anlauer has made it clear that he likes a two-headed monster at the top of the front office pyramid. He likes a president of hockey ops and a GM in separate roles. How do you hire the next coach without first hiring the permanent GM? I mean, you could do it, but then you're not guaranteed to be in lockstep on where that goes next. So maybe Martin has a few you know, weeks and or months to figure this out, but I think it's imperative that the Sens get all these ducks in a row from GM to coach, especially if you're not making the playoffs this year, so that expectations and proper evaluations can be put into place the rest of this season 
um, heading into the summer because it's going to be a big one in Ottawa. I wanted to ask you about Yusuf Valamaki and why he came up in the news cycle last weekend. So back in mid-November, he takes a slap shot unblocked right off the face and he has to go to the hospital after the game. And over the past weekend, some, some stories came out about how the treatment was handled. Um, can you just tell us what happened with Yusuf Valamaki and if this is an issue for the NHL and the NHLPA? Well, it's definitely an issue for the NHL and NHLPA. They're jointly investigating still exactly what played out, but it's a really tough situation for him. He takes a 93-mile-an-hour slap shot to the face, unblocked, undeflected, and he has a serious facial injury, severe facial injury, where he had internal bleeding. The Most teams in the NHL, I don't know if fans know this, they don't travel with their doctors. So you're kind of at the mercy of the home team in that arena to get proper care. They evaluated him quickly and said, look, we can't help you here. You need to go to the hospital. They put him in an ambulance and essentially the ambulance just drives him there and drops him off. And he's waiting in the lobby more or less like everyone else. And this is not a story about pro hockey players getting professional or getting uh, um, preferential treatment in a hospital. We all know what the healthcare situation is like both in the U.S. and Canada. It's not pretty at times, but the hospital was so overworked and overrun at the time, which they told him they were treating uh, gunshot victims, also a thing here in the U.S., that um, he basically was sitting there waiting for hours without any care. So they told him, hey, we don't have room for you here. Go back to the hotel and sleep this off. Well, there was so much internal bleeding, and he was still at that point in time choking on his own blood then that they told him that had he gone back to the hotel and slept it off, there was a chance that he could have asphyxiated on his own blood, which is is tough to think about. But it took some advocating from the NHLPA, from his wife, who happened to be in Dallas at the road game and there to help him, a staff member from the Coyotes that they left behind, to basically um, get him looked after in that hospital so that he didn't go back to the hotel. At two in the morning after getting hit at nine at night, he finally got stitched up, 55 stitches. He had a fractured bone in his mouth, three teeth that were lost, others that were displaced. And that was like the first step in his care before ultimately having another more detailed surgery the next day. So this was a real severe injury that had it not been properly looked after, we could be asking different questions today and, and really... The moral of the story, the point of the story is, one, the NHL players are asking, hey, this is not how our counterparts would be treated in the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. We've got to, you know, ask questions about why that's the case. And then the next part is, because the Stars did what they did, their medical team, and the Coyotes left someone behind... No one really broke protocol here. There's no, there's nothing that, no finger being pointed saying, hey, you dropped the ball here. But the point of my story was, if that didn't break protocol and we have players lingering in hospital lobbies, it's pretty clear to me that the protocol is broken. Yeah, just to know, he's back playing now, which has been great to see for Val Mackey, but I know a lot of Flames fans know just how rough he's had it with injuries, just trying to get his career on track here. So seeing that story come up last weekend was 
Um, disappointing to say the least for the player, especially. Uh, I also wanted to ask you. Oh, also, so you mentioned team doctors don't travel. That's why we had the Jacob Chikrin incident this week as well, where everyone was laughing at him because he went down the wrong tunnel, but it was just to get like a dozen stitches in his face. Yeah, and so that's the thing is when you don't travel with your own doctors, which only a handful of teams do, um, you're at the mercy of the other team. And that is it's sort of that's a tough spot to be in at times. It's not that they're not going to help you, of course. It's just sometimes it can be awkward and it's not really quite the same. And that part is I'd like to see that change. Every NFL team, mm. I'm sure the NBA teams, I'm sure baseball, like their doctors are on the road with them all the time. It's um, probably something that needs to change from an NHL perspective. Frank, is there anything going to happen here with uh, Connor Brown? He was a healthy scratch for the Edmonton Oilers. He's reached his games played bonus mark, so he's going to have, I believe, a three and a quarter million dollar cap hit next season, which will essentially eliminate what the cap is going to go up by almost 75% of it. Um, Is there anything going to happen with Edmonton here and Connor Brown? happen in terms of what well i guess can anything happen or is this just one of those things where it was a swing and a miss and now you just gotta live with the consequences for the rest of the year and and essentially next year as well yeah i think that's sort of the spot that they're in is obviously they thought this would work out a lot better i did too having watched connor brown really closely and the engine that he has in his game i thought he'd be a perfect fit he was sort of hand recruited by Connor McDavid as well. Uh, They went to dinner one night in Toronto and that helped seal the deal to get these two former junior teammates back together again. Uh, It was Connor Brown that was the leading scorer in Erie, if you remember correctly, not Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe the lack of success that he's had. And you look at the games pretty closely, the first few handful of the season, he was getting some unbelievable opportunities and just, banning on shots, whiffing on pucks, flubbing, you know, all things that you're like, oh, okay, five games in, 10 games in, that he'll, he'll figure that out. He'll, you know, that's just a timing issue for someone that hasn't played in a long time. And just, he hasn't produced a drop this year. One assist, it's been 41 games going back to 2022 since Connor Brown hasn't scored. The frustration is off the charts. And now I guess the nice thing is, or maybe not so nice thing when you're stuck with Connor Brown, which the Oilers most certainly are, they're already responsible for that bonus is, you know what? Like let's try and play our way out of it. And the second half of the year, maybe he can catch fire and, and go off. That's all you can hope for at this point because the cap complications are mostly set and not everyone gets a get out of jail free card. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs got with John Klingberg this Mm. year, another big bogey, uh, in free agency, Brad Tree Living got incredibly lucky. Klingberg got hurt and he's on LTIR and it's going to be no harm, no foul. He's going to be able to spend that money. That That's not going to be the case for Connor Brown. And even if he gets hurt, it's only going to provide you with minimum cap relief for this season. Frank, enjoy uh, your time off here, man. I know that uh, you grind a lot. So we always appreciate your time joining us and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the new year. Yeah, sounds good. Love chatting with you guys every Friday and uh, love being in Calgary. So uh, have a great Christmas, everyone, and uh, enjoy a break if you get one. And uh, we'll talk to you in 2024. And, uh, you know, 
Maybe we'll see George then. Yeah. Mm, TBD. Merry Christmas, sir. Take care. See you guys. There you go. Frank Cervalli joins us for South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. I'd be such a terrible insider. Because they, like, they are grinding all the... First off, I'm terrible at talking to people. Um, but secondly, they are grinding all the time. And something would come in at like 1 in the morning and be like, yeah, Elliot can have it. Do you remember, that, like, yeah, do you remember that feature on Shams that they did like mm-hmm. a couple months ago? And he has like 19 hours of screen time a day? Yeah. Isn't it something like that? Shan, you had the number, didn't you? Okay. Never mind. <laughs> just never there when I need you, but just interrupting when we don't. <laughs> Nothing still, hey? Okay. I got headphones. Okay. That's good. I have no idea what the number is. Right? Cobra's here. Brent Cron's here. He's going to join the show in mere moments. We're going to talk about yesterday's riveting tilt between the Flames and the Anaheim oh, yeah. Ducks. Just how his holiday's going, mostly. But before we get to that, GVP, what do you have to share with us? Uh, we got another set of bloopers here. It's from the week of December 8th. So a little bit of a recent run, but uh, I thought oh, they were pretty good. Okay, let's fire away. December the 8th. Let's have a listen. This is the best of the worst of the big show with Russick and Rose. Just so there's enjoy a thick, it all you meaty want. buffet, extra meat. What's happening? Oh my God, geez. What's happening? She's not wearing a shirt. It's really hot in here. And you do not put your hands okay. on another player. There's that been- was bullshit. Okay. Ron, why did you say that? Why? Poop. That okay. was bullshit. Okay. You poop mouth. Poop out of your mouth. Like I've, I've had it where, you know when the cat's walking around your neighborhood and I've stopped the car, rolled on the window and went, Okay, well that's strange. Wow. That's what the heck are you doing? Hi, hey, no, oh, hey. I'm just here to play hockey. Oh my goodness! So wow. Get out of the way! Get out of the way! <laughs> I'm gonna be in the show one day, kid. Yeah. Wow! Uh. <laughs> Cat bowl. Air biscuit. Air tulip. Anal exhale. Anal salute. Anus applause. Yeah, look how small my femur is. Look, look at, at that it. thing. That's a- yeah, like it's a five-year-old like leg. Yeah. <laughs> Burner burp out the wrong end. Bust ass butt. Bazooka butt. Bongos butt. Dumpling butt. Sneeze butt. <laughs> People soup is uh, delicious. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Slider spitter stale wind steamer stink it up. Thurp tootsie trouser cough trunk bunk turd tremors turtle burp. Mom, oh, I feel oh, the football. Oh, I know. You're you're a germ of you're you you don't germo. You're not so tough without your car, are you? Yep. And here come the Globo Gym Purple Cobras led by Brent Cron. All business. We called him the Cobra. We had this little uh, thing we would do when we read. Get out of here. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, his name was Cobra. Shohei Otani. <laughs> you know why there are Cobra kind ninjas <laughs> on the poster? And I'm like, I don't want to know, actually. <laughs> I, I, I want to have nothing to do with this conversation. <laughs> he goes, your glove hands. <laughs> it's as fast. <laughs> As a Cobra Kai ninja. Why is this gimp mask being charged? <laughs> <It's my stop. laughs> and uh, I, I held the python. Uh, and, I, and I held it so tight. Boing, boing, boing. Boing. Keep banging out the hits. <laughs> Brent Cron, 35.